There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. This is a WTOP original podcast. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. Wildfires in Greece. Today it's a very sad day. That's Nikolos Panagiotto, an associate professor at the School of Journalism and Mass Media at the Aristotle University in Thessaloniki, Greece. He explains why it's a sad day. Because uh, today we mourn the loss of two pilots that they lost their lives uh, while trying actually to take out the fire. These fires are raging across Greece and many are confused about the cause. There is a widespread uh, rumor and uh, actually speculations all these years that some of these fires might actually have been set. In some occasions this has been this has been proven. But there's also another reason. And after that, an update on the war in Ukraine from the Pentagon Press Secretary. Coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. This is Athens, Greece. In the last few weeks, it's been caught between blistering heat and raging wildfires. For about 10 days, I've traveled back and forth between Athens in the south and several islands off the coast and up to the north to Thessaloniki, which is where I met Nikos Panagiotou. He's a professor of journalism at the Aristotle University. And we talked about the devastating impact of the wildfires and heat on Greece and the desperate message the Earth is sending to all of us about climate change. Professor Panagiotou, the fires that are going on in Greece now, um, having been there recently myself, I got to see firsthand just watching the media and you know, some conversations with some people there about the concerns there. But I, I wasn't able to put into the appropriate context just how devastating these fires are because I don't live there every day, but you do. So um, can you tell us just how bad these fires are? Where are these fires burning? I would like to start actually my uh, my response by highlighting actually that today it's a very sad day because uh, today we mourn the loss of two pilots that they lost their lives uh, while trying actually to take out the fire their canadair uh, which is a special type of airplane for those of you that uh, for those that might don't know about it actually fell down and crashed killing uh, two young men to whom we actually the whole country mourns today. It was a really tragic event, and and, and it has been captured uh, on the camera. Well, the fires take place uh, all across Greece, but mostly they are uh, concentrated uh, in uh, the island of Rhodes and uh, in Corfu as well, uh, as well as uh, some uh, other parts in mainland Greece. These are the major ones that we have to tackle, and uh, especially the one in the island of Rhodes. It has been a very challenging one since it has been burning for six days now in a row. What is the reason for these fires? We hear that 
climate change is a problem. We hear the intense heat is a problem, but we also hear that some of these fires might have been set. What is known about these fires? There is a widespread uh, rumor and uh, actually uh, uh, speculations all these years that some of these fires might actually have been set. In some occasions, this has been this has been proven. But uh, I would rather um, emphasize that uh, these fires are the, the result of a climate crisis. It is a natural phenomenon. Sometimes uh, uh, forests are being uh, self-fired. It, it, is a self, it is a natural phenomenon. But uh, um, mostly it's a kind of new situation that I think that we have to be prepared in order to live with. This means that it, it constitutes a, a new era upon which actually the state, even the media, as well as the citizens, have to come up with specific strategies of dealing with it. So right now, we believe, based on what you've said, that this is mostly a natural phenomenon. Um so how well is Greece battling these fires? Uh, I heard as well that the European Union and others were sending help. Um, are the fires um, under control, contained, or what, what level of containment uh, are they in right now? As you can understand, due to the extent of the fires, the, it means that we have to diversify in, uh, troops. We have to diversify actually people that are uh, firefighters and means. Uh, European Union has set up a special uh, mechanism, which is an emergency mechanism where each uh, member state helps the other one in these kind of emergencies. This this have happened before in the past. It has happened in the wildfires in Spain, in Italy, in Portugal, etc. So it is very important to have actually this kind of help. We have uh, also received help outside of uh, European Union from Israel, more more specifically, as well as um, from other countries that uh, that understand the necessity. Uh, to tackle these challenges that requires actually a joint approach. I think that um, due to the due to the characteristics of the phenomenon, it is very difficult of a country of its own to be able to, to address these kind of challenges. I will just uh, remind you before a couple of years ago, the wildfires in California that, ha that, that has proven to be a, a major challenge for that state itself, killing a, a number of people, but actually underlying the necessity to change our current approaches. And to that end, we need actually to mobilize all the stakeholders and understand that uh, we should uh, we should leave behind the the um, up bottom approach and actually mobilize the society as well. Otherwise, I think it would be very difficult to contain this kind of uh, tragedies. Because uh, another thing related to the the fires and of course, uh, you know, the heat and everything that's taking place right now is the the toll that it's taking on people's lives and the agriculture there. Give us a sense of how much of a toll it's taking right now. 
there is uh, a toll that um, has major consequences in uh, in uh, people's lives since 35,000 um, acres have been burned in in uh, various places and especially in roads as well. This means that uh, the the landscape of the local economy totally changes. For example, this we have seen happening in the last year wildfires in uh, the island of Evia. Uh, the main concern of the government and uh, a main element of the strategy on combating uh, these wildfires have been actually to avoid any human lives losses. And up until now, this strategy works with the exemption of this tragic loss of the, of the two young pilots that are actually I would like to 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 stand especially to their heroism and the work that they are doing because it is very difficult to work under these conditions. The second thing, it is the effect that it has on the brand image of a specific touristic place as the one uh, that Rhodes Island is. This is why I think that um, the way that the local society responded by providing shelter to around 1,000 British uh, tourists that they were staying close to hotels close to the fire, by setting up immediately emergency uh, mechanisms such as providing lunch, dinner, etc. It has proven to be effective in uh, the aftermath, let's say, strategy. But the major effect that this kind of events has that, that it totally changes the local economy, and especially when this local economy is totally related with the tourism industry. In addition to that, I think that we have to seriously think what are the active strat strategies that we can adopt in order to respond proactively in this type of events? Well, uh, Professor, thank you for taking time to talk with us about this very difficult situation. And I, too, want to uh, show some honor to those two pilots and others who have been lost in the past and unfortunately may be lost in the future because this is a very serious situation. Is there anything I haven't asked you about that you think is important? I think that um, a major thing that we should consider is despite that some states refuse to take actions in order to tackle climate change, for example, as the refusal of China, what the rest of the world should do in order to address these kind of challenges. So I think that we should actually work on two kind of uh, levels. The first level, it's the, uh, the proactive one, how to train our societies and even how to train uh, media and journalists in order to report um, actually, uh, accurately about the event. Secondly, how to tackle disinformation, because what we have seen in the wildfires, in our case, even now, I, and I have just um, tracking it down in social media, it is disinformation from extremists that actually pinpoint and target um, people with uh, different religions and uh, ethnic background by accusing them, for example, that the immigrants, refugees are the ones that they create, that they have caused this wildfire. So we have actually to work on these challenges as well. Thank you very much for giving me the time and the opportunity to address an international audience and highlight the importance of paying attention to, to that issue. Well, Professor, you're a journalist yourself and you teach young journalists and even older journalists. 
about this profession. And I thank you for knowing so much, sharing so much, and creating an interest in the story because people in the West need to understand this because this is not going away. As you said, there are some serious problems here. So Professor Nikos Panagiotto, thank you so much. Thank you very much for hosting me and for the kind invitation. Thank you. Now to a conversation I had today, August 2nd, with Pentagon Press Secretary Brigadier General Pat Ryder about the situation in Niger, the war in Ukraine, Russia's hostility towards the U.S., and the fate of an American service member in North Korea, and North Korea's aggressions against the U.S. General Ryder, the first thing I'd like to ask you about is the U.S. military's uh, view planning, preparation, et cetera, that as it relates to Niger, the situation in, sorry, Niger. I know that the U.S. military has been involved there. So um, this coup, how does that impact the U.S.'s view, planning, and activities there? Well, thanks, JJ. Um, so, you know, obviously we continue to monitor the situation there closely uh, as a safety measure following the challenge to democratic order in Niger. U.S. forces have been asked to remain uh, on base while U.S. agencies continue to monitor the ongoing situation. So there have been no changes to our force posture in Niger or our policies regarding security cooperation. Um, and, and while this safety measure prevents U.S. forces from engaging in training, they do continue daily cooperation with Nigerian forces to keep base operations and services functioning. What are the main objectives for U.S. forces that are on the ground there? What, what are they there for? I know training is one of those things, but are there more things? Sure. So uh, so we've had a longstanding security cooperation relationship with Niger. Uh, as you highlight, uh, a, a significant aspect of that is uh, working to help train the Nigerian forces. And so, again, we'll continue to monitor the situation. Um, you know, we continue to support the democratically elected president, uh, who has not resigned, and the situation there remains fluid. So it's really too soon to characterize the, nat the nature of ongoing developments. What about uh, terrorism in the region? We know that there has been, I wouldn't say an uptick, but uh, a whole, a wholly, uh, I, I guess, engaged terrorism element in that region for the last few years. Does the Pentagon see the situation right now a threat to, does it impact the counterterrorism operations that have been underway? Well, again, at this stage, I think it's too soon to tell as it relates to Niger. Broadly speaking, as you highlight, U.S. Africa Command has been engaged uh, with multiple nations across the continent to uh, work with uh, partners in the region to conduct counterterrorism or you know, more significantly enable countries in the region to conduct counterterrorism operations uh, through training programs that the U.S. can provide. Moving on to the situation in Ukraine, uh, there appears to be, and this is admittedly by Ukraine, um, they've been slowed down by uh, landmines, et cetera, down in, the, I guess, the eastern part of the country, maybe even the southern part of the country. Um, this counteroffensive that they, they're, they're engaged in now is, I think, going a bit slower than they intended it for it to be. But again, that's something that, you know, we're still in the beginning of this, I suppose. What's the U.S.'s view on Ukraine's needs and what the U.S. will do? 
Well, we've always known that this was going to be a tough fight. Uh, the Russians have had time to shore up their defensive lines and, as you highlight, have uh, put in a significant number of minefields uh, and other obstacles to, in an attempt to uh, slow down any type of Ukrainian counteroffensive. So uh, the, the Ukrainians continue to, to fight uh, and, and push against that line. Uh, and our focus is going to continue to be working with the Ukrainians and with our allies and our partners around the world to ensure they have what they need to be able to take back their sovereign territory. This isn't related to the war in Ukraine, but I, I can't say that it's unrelated to Russia's decision-making when it comes to, one, U, the U.S. military in, in places around the world. There have been a couple of uh, instances where Russian fighter jets uh, or Ru the Russian military has actually attacked uh, or tried to attack U.S. assets. What's the Pentagon's view on that? I think some of this has taken place in and around Syria. Well, there have been several incidents uh, by Russian aircraft to uh, essentially interfere with uh, or uh, harass uh, U.S. Uh, drones that are supporting the defeat ISIS mission. Uh, and as you've heard us say, we, we've called on Russia to, to cease this unsafe and unprofessional behavior uh, by their airmen. Uh, at the end of the day, though, I think it's very important to understand that we will not be deterred from our mission in Syria, which is focused on the defeat ISIS mission. Uh, ISIS continues to remain a significant problem, uh, and uh, our, our work there will continue uh, regardless. And so uh, it's just unfortunate uh, that we're seeing this type of activity, uh, but it won't deter us from our, our mission. The U.S. military... Um um, member that essentially jumped over the, the DMZ in North Korea. Um, Travis King is his name. Um, what's the Pentagon doing, or what have you heard about that situation? Have you gotten any information indicating what the status, his status is? Yeah, thanks, JJ. I don't have any substantial progress to read out. As you know, uh, recently the United Nations Command did use established communication mechanisms through the joint security area uh, to communicate to the uh, to the uh, North Koreans. I can confirm that the DPRK has responded to acknowledge. Those, the receipt of those communications from the United Nations Command, uh, but that's really uh, something I'd have to refer you to them to, to talk further about. What, what can you say about what um, the Pentagon knows about his situation, what he, what he was doing? Because he was still there, supposedly had been dispatched to come back home. What can you say uh, about that situation? Um, was was there some misunderstanding about what he was supposed to be doing? Well, at this stage, uh, that's all being investigated, uh, and so it would be premature for me to discuss any details until we can get the facts. All right. Um, and then further on North Korea, um, I, I saw recently that the um, secretary, uh, the head of Russia's military, was in Pyongyang. And it's not clear what he was doing there, but there's, there's speculation he was there to try to find weapons. I know that Secretary of State Antony Blinken uh, 
made some comments regarding that, uh, suggesting that this sort of uh, mirrors the desperation that Russia may be feeling right now in its inability to acquire weapons or in its efforts to acquire weapons. What can you say about or what do you know about that development there? Well, I, I don't have a readout to provide per se of uh, Minister Shoigu's visit to North Korea. We know uh, and have known for a long time that the, the Russians maintain a relationship with North Korea. And so uh, and we also know that Russia has been seeking support to include munitions from a variety of countries like Iran, North Korea. So uh, it's something that we'll continue to keep a close eye on, uh, but I, I really don't have any further details in terms of, of the substance of what their meetings focused on. And in terms of the Pentagon's view of what North Korea has done with firing missiles uh, recently, uh, and what message do you get from that, and what message are you sending back? Well, I think from a United States perspective, from a Department of Defense perspective, the message that we are sending to the region is that we're going to continue to work with like-minded allies and partners to include the Republic of Korea and Japan to ensure that there is peace, security, and stability in the region. The types of behavior that we're seeing from North Korea in terms of launching rockets, for example, um, it really serves to uh, destabilize uh, and be provocative. And so, again, we're going to continue to work with our partners to reassure them that the United States will be there to deter aggression uh, and promote peace and stability. Of the topics that I've asked you about or any other topic that may be on your radar or list of interest today, is there anything you want to add that I haven't asked you about? I don't think so, J.J. I think we've, uh, we've covered the gamut. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Pentagon Press Secretary, Brigadier General Pat Ryder. That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up in our next episode, remember the 9-11 attacks and how they were plotted and planned? We're starting to see that again. Uh, apparently, um, the first instance where we see the classic over-the-horizon uh, attacks by a terror group, again, uh, emanating from Afghanistan. Central Asian men sent to Germany to build a cell, procure weapons and launch attacks. Um, and these were arrested while they were scouting targets in Germany, trying to procure weapons and organize a terror attack. It's important to remember the Hamburg cell with Mohammed Atta, the man who plotted and planned the 9-11 attacks in Germany. Hans Jacob Schindler, senior director with the Counter-Extremism Project, fills us in. That's coming up on the next episode of Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. If you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast 
and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com slash email. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast.